wanted to continue to share with you about the times in which we live. It's um, so just on my mind and on my heart. I was looking at, uh, Sister Martha had asked me to go to uh, her class, come to her class uh, yesterday in the morning, her women's class at Women's Discipleship. And she wanted me to give sort of a, an introduction and answer some questions um, about uh, the book, His Unsearchable Riches. And I, I was looking at it, and I said to Nathan, I can't believe I started this book with, I am, I am impregnated with Christ, you know. I said, I can't believe I did that, you know. But sometimes when you're younger, you just say stuff. It's good stuff, but you just say it. I want to, to sort of highlight that again. I, I feel that way. And I want all of us to, to uh, realize that Jesus Christ lives in us. And, and that's so big for me, so huge, that Christ lives in us. Um, so often I think believers think, and one brother was so upset with me because I taught so much that Christ living in us. And he says, he doesn't. He lives in you by faith. Yeah, but he re he's, re he's real and actual. You know, yeah, sure, it's by faith. You have to have faith for him to come because if you come to God, there are two things. The Bible says uh, these are two, two essentials. He who comes to God must first believe that he exists. And the second thing, he says, the writer of Hebrews says, you must believe that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so when you and I ex exercise faith in, in God through Jesus Christ, Jesus comes to live in us because he gives us the Holy Spirit. Yeah, the Holy Spirit. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm talking to people who have the Holy Spirit. And we, we don't want to discount the Holy Spirit. Yeah, you only want things discounted when you go to the stores, grocery stores, you know, clothing stores. I like to, I like to buy at a discount. But when you come to the Lord, God is not going to discount the Spirit within you. Amen. He has given us the Spirit so that we might understand and know the things that God has freely given to us. Can you imagine that? That's, that's so big for me that you and I are not like the natural men. We were natural men and women, but we're not like natural men and women any longer. They don't understand the things of God. Yeah, yeah they are foolishness to them. They can't know them, but you do. You, because you have the Spirit of God, you can discern the, what is from God and what is not. And so I wanted to say that because I want to come back to uh, today, Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. Now, I want to reiterate a little bit uh, because I think it's worthy of being uh, heard again. And so rather than starting, as I gave the sound booth, I gave you guys, I think, uh, 24, 15, starting there. But let's go back. To verse 4, and I want you to see how Jesus talks about the end times. I want us to understand that because I do fervently believe that we are there. We may be in the beginning of the end time. We may be in the middle, but we are there. And I want you to grasp that because Jesus gives us information that is pertinent to our success. Now, when I say gives us information, I don't want you to think, ah, I want more than information. No, when I think of information, sometimes people just talk, and that could be information, but if it's not based on truth, then I wouldn't consider it information. Because information, inform, 
transformation, the process of forming something in you for your own good and, and the purposes of God. So Jesus tells us what it's going to look like. And when you and I turn on our television or perhaps uh, or on the Internet or Facebook, if you do that, and some of the other uh, platforms, you'll find that the things that Jesus says to us in Matthew 24 are happening. They're all around us. And, so, and not only that, because in an isolated sense, you might be able to say, well, that's always been. But when you take all of the disturbances, the, the pestilence of COVID, and, and I remember when we heard of COVID, I remember the Lord gave me a word. I don't know if you remember it, but I, I remember saying that this is not the end of it. This is going to continue till the Lord comes. I don't know if you threw that away or if you remembered it. And so then we've had multiple variants of COVID. And we have now a monkeypox. And there's no telling what else is going to happen. So when you take all of these things together, it looks to me like we are living in the end times. So you're not to fret because Jesus gives you information. He gives you an understanding that you will know how to discern the times and how to walk in them. So, so let's go back uh, to those things that we have talked about before. Jesus says in verse 4, Matthew 24, 4, he says, Jesus answered and said to them, his disciples, take heed that no one deceives you. So perhaps I didn't spend enough time on that initially. Take heed that no one deceives you. How is it that you take heed that nobody deceives you? By taking heed to the word of God. By listening to the word of God. When I grew up and we grew up in the family I being much older than some of my other brothers, um, dad, when dad said, take heed, they probably didn't hear that. But uh, when, I, when dad went to say, take heed, I trembled almost <laughs> because I knew it was going to be required of me. Yes. And so Jesus is saying that in the same sense. I always say, my father always used biblical language, you know. And so take heed that no one deceives you. So you can be vigilant by understanding the word of God, by knowing the word of God, by knowing the spirit of God. You have the spirit of God and you can, be, you can and should be led by the spirit of God. So it, it should be very, very difficult to deceive you. Take heed that no one deceives you. Then he tells us what's going to happen. Many, many will come in his name saying they're the Christ and they'll deceive many. So with some people, with churchgoers, not Christian people, but with church goers, it doesn't take much to deceive them. So if you're easily led and easily deceived, you may want to take inventory. You may not have fully come over, right? You may just be a church goer. He says, and then you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. So what he is saying is don't allow panic to set into your life. Do not allow panic. Now, how can you not allow panic? By taking heed to his word, by following the Holy Spirit. For those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And you know that the Spirit of God is antithetical to your fleshly cravings or leanings. They always go in opposing directions. So the way you were before Christ is not the way you should be after Christ. All right? See that you are not troubled, for these things must come to pass, he says, but the end is not yet. So what he's saying to us, but you can expect more of the same. Right? You can expect more of the same. 
So, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against ping kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. And when he says, you know, it's so, such a nutty thing to me. You know, as Christians, I, I, I know some of these things I've said before, but uh, John the Baptist kept telling everybody to repent, and they didn't listen. So uh, I, I want to continue to say these things because I want you to be all right. I want you to be all right. And uh, that is my goal, and I, I sometimes weep for you. Now, notice what he says. Uh, the end is not yet, <clears throat> because these things must happen. There's no amount of faith that you have that will keep these things from happening. But there is faith that can keep you through the happening of these things. And this is what I'm after. This is what the Word of God is after. And then um, uh, he, uh, the Word of God says, uh, says that uh, uh, then, verse uh, 9, or at that time they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then, or at that time, many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Now, I, I don't know how you feel about this, but uh, we have not in, in America been delivered to tribulation, but I can see it coming. In many parts of the world, there's much tribulation for people of God. And we have gone to some of these nations. We're not boasting about it. We don't go like, hey, I'm bad, I'm bad. You know, we don't go like that, you know, saying, okay, we're the bull of the woods and we, we know how to handle these tribulations and, and these murders. No, we don't. We go because Jesus says go. And we don't go because we always are sure I will be back. No, we know that if we go and come back, we went and we came back in the will of God. And if we go and we don't come back, we died in the will of God. So the purpose of us is the will of God. Uh, not longevity here. If you're wanting longevity here, forever here, you're in the wrong camp, all right? In the wrong camp. So he says here that you will be hated by all nations for uh, my name's sake, and I think this could not only be kingdoms, ha hated by various kingdoms, but by nations, by, by, by people not liking you because you tell the truth. Paul said to the Galatians, he says, have I become your enemy because I told you the truth? He told them the truth and they didn't like him for it. So those of us who are hearing the word of God and doing the word of God sometimes are on the outs with visible Christianity or the visible church. So I want to prepare you, and I, want you, I don't want you to slough it off. I don't want you to say, ah, there he goes again. Uh, uh, one, of, one of my uh, uh, favorite sayings with President Reagan was he was running uh, to, uh, for office, and uh, his opponent, I won't call the name, made, made an assertion. He said, there you go again. And, and he had a way of communicating, and everybody would laugh, even if you didn't too much agree with everything President Reagan said. You have to laugh at some of his quips. There you go again. And so some of you are probably saying, oh, there he goes again. <laughs> yeah. But listen to uh, verse 10. It says that because difficult times come, because some people who say they name the name of Christ begin to oppose you or be, oppose us, many will, be call, will uh, stumble. They will be made to stumble. That's what he means by many will be offended. We'll betray one another and hate one another. 
Wow. So people who say the name of the name of Christ will hate you because perhaps you don't take the position that they take on everything. Right? Sometimes I've found that when we take the godly position, churchgoers don't even realize it's the godly position. Because they are following something else. So I want you to be prepared. Not to be prepared to be their enemy, but to be prepared that, that they might consider you an enemy. Okay. He says, then, or at that time. Notice all this succession of at that time. At that time, many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. We're seeing that. It's real. Okay. And... And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. So lawlessness is abounding all over the world. Have you seen that? Uh, no, no. What about, I, I didn't hear about it. Okay. So we, we, lawlessness is abounding all over the world. And um, in Asia, it's abounding. In Europe, it's abounding. And uh, South America, has been abounding. And in, now in North America, especially in the U.S., lawlessness is abounding. Now, if, if you can't say amen to that, we need, we need sessions on this because lawlessness is abounding. I am astounded at the abounding of lawlessness in our, in our nation because I grew up and as a kid, we were always taught at home and in school, obey the law. Remember? Obey the law. Anybody as, as old as I am, huh? Obey the law. We always taught obey the law. And so we were little kids. We obeyed the law. You know, when you went to the edge of the street, of course, to me, it was the highway, you had to stop and obey the law. You didn't just run out in the, in the middle of the street. You obeyed the law. When you went to town, you went on to the corner and you obeyed the law. Why? You couldn't jaywalk. You obeyed the law. You obeyed your teachers. You didn't say ugly things to your teachers. Uh, one of our members is a principal, and uh, he, well, many of uh, principals perhaps, but he is a principal. He went to another assignment after retirement, and he told me one of the ugliest things that somebody, one kid said to him. He said, good morning, and this kid used some vulgar, vulgar language. I said, what? If, if, I had, if that had happened when I grew up, I would have gotten a beating at school, and then when I got home, I would have gotten several beatings. You know, you know, since I guess my parents probably would have thought, boy, since, since Sunday school and church didn't get that out of you, uh, you know, and then firstly, dad would say, how did that get into you? And since they didn't get it out of you, I'm going to try the back room session, you know. <laughs> but, but I'm saying that lawlessness is abounding. It's pervasive, but it's not prevailing. It's pervasive. It's everywhere, but it's not prevailing. The Spirit of God is prevailing. That's it, the Spirit in us. And so Jesus says, but because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. And so I sometimes wonder if it's, it's already started in Corpus Christi because of the way people run red lights on Saratoga. I mean, I tell everybody I know, when, you, when your light turns green, you say 1,001, 1,002, look both ways, 1,003, I may go. Let them blow at you from behind. Yeah, let them blow the horn at you. So but the love of men will go cold. So what you'll find is that churchgoers, not believers, church, now believers will be tempted. You know, you'll be tempted to, to match them. Yeah, all right. 
Yeah, you'll be tempted. But, but now listen, churchgoers, they'll go there. But believers will not go there. They may be tempted, but they won't go there. But Jesus says, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. Not, there's no vacillation there. He says, shall be saved. Now, 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 this is what he is not talking about. I don't think he's talking about you will be saved eternally. But if you will just follow what he is telling you, these things won't crush you and destroy you. Um, and, the, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then, or at that time, the end will come. So Jesus has given them a wonderful prescription. Now let's go to what the main body of my message. In verse 15, he says, therefore. Now when Jesus has explained this to his disciples, and he obviously was writing for a future generation. Now part of this is for the imminent or in approximately, say, 40 years, Jerusalem is going to be uh, destroyed by, not in 70 AD. So, uh, yeah, so uh, Jerusalem is going to be destroyed by uh, the Roman army. And so, so part of this had to do with that time. But then it had also future significance and perhaps very probable that every generation has wondered, are we the generation? Are we the generation? And I believe that God left that deliberately. He left that in this way deliberately so that you and I would always live a life of vigilance, living in what we call here uh, uh, the, a perpetual state of readiness. We live in a perpetual state of readiness. That means that you don't say, uh, the old folks, I used to hear them say, no, they weren't part of my church or community. Uh, they were, well, in the very, very back reaches of our community. They would say, I'm going to lay my religion down to deal with this situation. But what Jesus is saying, you better not lay anything down. You may not have the opportunity to pick it up again. Okay, so you cannot, I'm going to lay it down. I'm going to fix for that. They're in the flesh. I'm going to minister to their flesh, you know. No, no, we can't do that. All right? So Jesus is saying here, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, and then he parenthetically says, whoever reads, let him understand. So he says, when you see this. Now, I saw uh, maybe a little while ago, a few years ago, I saw a, a, a statue. Uh, it was here in America that some well-meaning people, I think, made to show their support for a particular candidate. And I, I chills went down my spine. And I said, oh, we are closer than we realize. Because what Jesus is saying here, he's talking about a statue that, that the Antichrist will put into a, a, the temple of God, and, and this statue will put, put it there, and people will worship. He says, let him who, whoever reads, let him understand. Daniel eleven thirty one says, is one of the scriptures that, that Jesus is referring to. Uh, there's one in Daniel chapter 9, but I thought this was easier to understand. Forces from him shall appear and profane the temple and fortress, and fortress, and shall take away the regular burnt offering. And they shall set up the abomination that makes it desolate. Speaking of... Uh, of a statue or an image of the Antichrist who is claiming to be God. And Daniel 12, verse, verse 11 says, And from the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. So what, what Daniel 
received from God was uh, uh, specific instructions as of the last days. So you and I, I believe very firmly, are there in the last days. And so these instructions are for us. Now, there are some believers, and this is not meant to be mocking, but there are some believers who think that there is an escape clause here. There's an escape clause. They think that, that no, we're going to escape all that. Now, I, I said to one of my dear friends, who was a member of this church for a long time, she was my assistant uh, for a good while, and I said to her, without calling her name, you know probably who I'm talking about, I said to her, she said, you don't believe in the rapture. I said, yes, I believe in sort of a rapture, but maybe I don't believe quite the way it's taught. And what I want you to know is you don't have to leave this church because you believe there's an escape clause in Matthew 24, okay? Because that is not essential to salvation, right? If you're right when Jesus comes, he's going to take you, whether you believe like I do or not, right? So you don't have to leave the church. Oh, he doesn't believe in the rapture. I'm getting out of here. No, if I, if I didn't believe in Jesus, you should get out of here. <laughs> and if you don't believe in Jesus, you're not going to get out of here. <laughs> okay, so, so let's look at this. And so I said to her, I said, look, this is, I just don't, I believe that we're going to be caught up. We're going to be caught up, but I don't believe quite the way you believe. I said, uh, and mine is more like in Thessalonians when Paul talks about us being caught up to be with the Lord in the air, and then we're forever with the Lord. I think that will happen. But I was saying, and so she said to me, well, well, well when, it, when, when the rapture comes, I'm going. I said, look, if there's a rapture like you think, I'll be holding your, your heels. I'm going too. But I, I think that there's not an escape clause here. I believe there's not an escape clause because the Scripture speaks with such specificity. Now, let's look at the Scriptures. Verse 16 says, at that time, let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. So he says, when you see this abomination, know that things are not going to be prolonged. They are imminent. So why am I saying these things? Why am I teaching these things? So that you will not be duped by all of the chatter out there and that you will not be deceived at all by, by people who are saying things that they don't know, and people who are prophesying, and then when they don't come to pass, they say to you, well, I was just mistaken. Well, there's a big difference in a mistake and a lie. And so we want to be very careful. So now, because you have the Holy Spirit, you have also a, the discerner. The Holy Spirit will cause you, will help you to discern what is right and wrong. You may not always at first glance get it, but you will get it quickly. You will get it more, uh, uh, sooner probably rather than much, much later. So no, trust the Holy Spirit, but don't trust the Holy Spirit without a knowledge of the Word, as it were. So you want to take the Word of God and the Spirit of God coupled together. All right? And that's how you will know the truth. And then the truth will make you free. Or the truth will set you free. I like to use them both. I say the truth will make you free. Therefore, when you are set free, you're not a slave. Verse, verse 17. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. What he's talking about is urgency. 
you know, don't, don't, don't be, as it, we, we used to use the word, I don't know if it's a good word, lollygag or whatever, you know, just kind of make a, walk around haplessly and, you know, not knowing where you are, shrug shoulders and stuff. He says, no, 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 be astute, be ready, know what's going on, because I've told you beforehand. And so not only did Jesus tell his disciples, preachers have been telling congregations this uh, for centuries now. Are you still with me? So, but there is a congregation on whom the ends of the age will come. I believe it could very well be us. I believe somebody here could see the coming of the Lord. I believe. And he says, let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. That's the urgency. You know, so you ought to dress appropriately everywhere you go. All right. Now you're going to have time to pull off those two, two short dresses and pants and two tight skinny jeans. Yeah. <laughs> but woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days and pray. Listen, Jesus is giving them uh, specific instructions and pray that your flight may not be in the winter on the Sabbath. For then at that time, there will be great tribulations such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor ever shall be. And so Jesus is saying that that. that in the near future, I believe near future, there will be rough days that have never been on the face of the planet. And when you think about some of the crazy stuff that's happened on this planet, and that some of us could very well be alive when the craziest, craziest stuff happens. You know, I, I find it, it, it very crazy when these autocratic leaders around the, 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 the world are taking power. I ask myself, what kind of person would give somebody authority over them to tell them when to go, not to go? What kind of person would do that? And all over the world, people have, have uh, pushed in that direction. This is not a political sermon for those of you who might think so. But I'm saying, who would do that? But, but nations are doing that. So a, a brother said to me, well, it's going to happen just like God wanted. I said, no, God didn't want that. He didn't save us to have tribulation and all these difficulties. No, mankind wanted it. And God is telling us what we wanted. And the judgment of, of God is to give you what you want. When you keep resisting him, keep resisting him. His love comes to you. He sends his son. You keep resisting and finally God gives you what you want. That's the judgment. And so the world says, we don't want you, God. They don't want a good, generous, benevolent God. And so God says, okay, you can have it. And, that's, and so you see that, that autocracies are growing around the world. And, uh, and, and they lie a lot. You know, look at Vladimir Putin, for example. You know, he, but he's not the only one. Okay, now, now, so what I'm saying is you, you need your armor on, as it were, and never pull it off. You know, some of those people say, well, every morning I wake up, I put my armor on. I say, Boy, I sleep in mine. <laughs> yeah. It kind of can ward off some of those bad dreams. Now, listen to what he says. Now, unless those days were short, no flesh would be saved. Now, listen. Uh, and I'm going to be done in maybe one, uh, one and a half or two minutes. No flesh would be saved if those days were not short. He meant no, sa would be, no flesh would be saved alive. Not eternally, but no flesh would be saved alive. And he says, but for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Then at that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is Christ. Listen to what he's saying. Or there. Do not believe it. All right? What did he say? Do not believe it. 
For false Christ, false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Even those chosen of God. So these, these uh, lying signs will be so powerful that, that, that if it were possible, but it's not possible. Now, verse 25 begins with, see, I have told you beforehand. So what, what should we remember that Jesus told his disciples beforehand? The scope and sequence of the last days. You know, he is giving us the scope. And he's giving us the sequence, all right? He says, then at that time, if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or there, do not believe it, right? He's telling us, giving us wonderful instructions for false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive if possible even the elect. See, I have told you before, and truly, truly, but now if they say to you, look, he is in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he is in a room, do not believe it. See, are you with me, believers? So, so, so believe those who, among you who are trusted. You have seen their lives. You've seen their sacrifices. You've seen their love for you. Believe them. Don't believe people you don't know. Don't believe people who lie and cheat and steal and say ugly things on the Internet. Don't believe them. Don't believe some preacher because he has resonance in his voice. You've never known him. You don't know his lifestyle. He says, don't believe these things. All right. And he says, for as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. He says, there will not be a private coming. This is going to be a public and noisy coming. That's what he's saying. All right. So let, let, me, let me go to verse 30 and... We, you, can, you can have a little private session with me sometime. We go over these things in particular. But I, I've got to sit down and keep my word. At verse 30 says, Then at that time the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. And then, or at that time, all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming in the, on the clouds of heaven with power, with dunamis, with force, uh, with miraculous power. He says, and great glory. And great glory. That's what he's going to come. He's going to come with great glory, great power, lightning flashing. It's not going to be some private. I'm going to steal away. That's just an old, I think that's an old Negro spiritual, right? Steal away. That, that's not here. It's no, you know, that was about a slave stealing away to go pray, uh, leaving uh, the burden uh, of the sun and the whip to go pray. Steal away to Jesus. Not steal away. Jesus is going to come steal you away. Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. And we can believe everything he says. I'll be back shortly.